Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to gather together to be your people, to be your people who hear from you what it means to be loved by you, to hear what it means to be your disciples. Lord, as we think about the grace way, may you interact with our hearts and minds so we pick up and we understand from your perspective what you're calling us to do and who you're calling us to be. Lord, may your grace overflow, may it saturate our lives. May you help us as we live on this earth with your grace, sharing it generously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are... Um, Virginia, can you just open the windows at the back? We need to have them... Sorry. Um, we are continuing on the Grace Way sermon series. And today it's about God calls us to a new way. And sometimes in life we need to be called to new ways. And being called to new ways are very helpful. Some of you know Rene Vandentol, who's out at um, Redeemer. Now, Rene... Um, is a Melbourne football club follower. So he's quite happy at the moment. You know, they've won the premiership. He's, he actually bought in two shirts for me today to have a look at. And one says Melbourne won the premiership and the other one says um, something about life is hell. And, that, and he said, five years ago, Melbourne were going through a very difficult period. But they had new coaches come in and, they, and the players say these new coaches gave them a new way of life. Well, for us as Christians, it's important to remember that God is calling us to a new way of life, to a different approach to life than what we experience in the world or how we naturally think. Now, just to to back up a little bit, to understand where we've come from in this Grace Way sermon series, remember that the Grace Way started off with foundational to our life of grace is God the cross of Jesus. It's that Jesus has come into this world, he humbled himself and he died on the cross for us. That's foundational to our lives as Christians. It's foundational to the grace way. And then the next week we spoke about that we continue to receive this grace through God's living word. Importantly, if you understand the New Testament, that Jesus is also called the word. And so we have this living word, not just some old book that is difficult to understand for some people, but a book that brings life to us from God, that helps us see what life is about. And it's not an instruction manual, but it's more about a story, a story, a love letter of God saying, I love you and then giving you life. And then last week we focused on being part of the grace way is God brings his grace into the world through people like me and you who gather together as his church to be his church here on earth. And that means being his church, working and living with other Christians in an evangelical and reforming way. In other words, we live with other and work with other Christians in a way where we're sharing God's good news, the good news that we have received because Jesus has come on the cross to the rest of the world. That's what evangelical is. It's nothing more than that. There are some people who want to get rid of the word evangelical in the church because humans have messed it up in some places. But we are evangelical. The true meaning of evangelical is just sharing the good news. But also, and this is what the Reformation highlighted, is that we need to be people who are constantly being reformed. 
being reformed as we engage with scripture, being reformed as we hear the stories of God, being reformed as God speaks to us, calls us to a new way, to a different way of life. Now, there is one way of life that is often referred to as the law. The law way of life is shaped by what you do, your performance, how good you are at what you do. It's shaped by your personal goals and interests. The law way of life, it's, it's about rules that exist for you to achieve success. Right? The law way of life is about trying to put others in their place with those rules and to say you've messed, you've messed up in life and so here's the rules and this is what's happened and that becomes your major focus. A law way of life is shaped by how the world sees you how others see you. I serve on a number of governance boards um, with the church and, there's all, and with governance, particularly at the moment in Australia, they have this line that they throw out. I'm always, we've got to worry how the world sees us. And that's not just church, that's any organisation. What would happen if this story appeared on the front page of the newspaper? Well, one of my mentors who also serves on some governance boards, he says, yes, we have to worry about the world sees us. We want the world to see us as people who are not perfect, as people who rely on God's love and forgiveness. That's a grace way. But the world way is that we've got to get everything right. We've got to put masks up. We've got to be perfect in the way we look. And that's the the focus that is the natural way in the world. It's a focus about performance. It's about how we look. It's a focus about our own self, what, what interests us. Well, God calls us to a grace way of life, a life shaped by what Jesus has done and is doing and will do. For us as disciples of Jesus, for us as Christians, our life is one of being shaped by Jesus. It's also a life where God's mission and way of life shapes our life. And that means, as we'll hear in a few moments, Some people will drastically change their lives, but some people will change how they approach their current life. A grace life is shaped by rules, but not rules so you get somewhere, not rules to protect yourself, but rules to love God and to love others. A grace-shaped life recognises that we are called to be people who are loved by God, but also to be God's agents in the world of loving him and loving others. And a grace-shaped life is one where it's about how God sees you through Jesus. Not how God sees you because of your performance. Not how God sees you because of how nice you've been or how good you've looked, but because of Jesus. And so God calls us to this new way, to be living in grace, to be people who receive his grace, who rely on his grace, who are then shaped by his grace in the world. This different way of life is probably best represented by a story in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus calls his first disciples. Luke chapter 5's observation of Jesus calling his first disciples is one I love because it's somewhat different. It's not straightforward. It shows people who, because of Jesus and the grace-shaped way of life, things change dramatically. I invite you to listen to this. This is from Luke chapter 5, verse 1 onwards. 
One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and said, Go go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. But then Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed him. Now that story highlights how the grace of God brings abundance to life, how the grace of God helps us in our life, but it also shows how dramatic changes can occur in their lives. For some people today, that does mean a dramatic change of stopping one career or stopping one way of physical way of life and changing to something else. I read about a businessman who, um, quite successful businessman, who on hearing the gospel, on understanding how much God loved him and the call to be God's missionary in the world, ended up selling up everything and moving to Cambodia to be God's missionary. That's how dramatic the gospel can be on people. But it also is more dramatic in most people's way of life in a different way. And it's how what you focus on, how you see the life you're currently living, how you see your job, how you see your vocation, how you see your family, how you see yourself as a person in this community. That God may be calling you to have a different approach, take a different way of thinking, rather than working just to earn yourself some money or to survive or to get a career advancement, but seeing that as a place where God has said, this is where I want you to be my missionary of grace, to be a person who brings my love and grace into that situation. So I have a couple of questions for you to think about. How is God calling you to the grace way of life? the way of life that brings about change. How is God calling you to that grace way of life? What does it mean for you to be God's missionary wherever you go and have a different approach into how you approach work, how you approach family, how you approach being a citizen in this country? And what might it look like for you to be God's missionary of grace to the people in your life? Think about all the people in your life you interact with that you're likely to interact with in the next week or next month. What might it mean for you to be God's missionary of grace 
to them. Remembering this is not you working by yourself, but God has given you his grace, has given you his love, and he'll give you the resources to help you be his missionary of grace. The second part about this new way of life, it's a life of reliance on Jesus and his grace. It's a life of folk relying on Jesus as you live. Someone once asked me when I first moved to Sydney, Pastor, why do we have confession and absolution every Sunday in the service? Why not such a bad person? And from an earthly perspective, most of us are not bad people. But the reason that confession and absolution are in in the church service is to help us, A, to bring before God anything that's stressing us out, that we think we've sinned, any guilt or shame. But it's also to help us to to be humble and to come before God and to recognise that we do need God's help. We constantly need God's help. And you may be thinking about, well, if I'm going to be God's grace missionary, I may need to have extra help. Well, There'll be times where you'll face situations. And here's a challenge for you. Think about some of the difficult situations you're facing this next week and ask what it might mean, how might, might, what might it mean for you to respond in a graceful way to those situations. What might it mean? And you might be thinking, that's going to be hard. Right? That's going to be difficult. But part of that is coming back and relying on Jesus, taking time in prayer, to ask God to help you. From our gospel reading that we saw and heard, from Luke chapter 9, we heard these couple of verses. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now some people hear this and they think, that doesn't sound very graceful, that's not a very nice way to live. But what Jesus is saying is, if you hold on to the things of this world, if you think that money, family, possessions, career reputation, reputation, you hold on to those tightly and they become more important than your relationship with God, more important than relying on grace, there's a risk of losing eternal life. Now, Here's the thing, God's not saying those things are not important in our life, but put them into perspective. Put them into perspective of God's grace and how they are simply tools and opportunities for you to share God's grace. That's what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Instead of having your wants, your desires, your perspective of life being the main thing driving you, you listen to God We listen to God and we listen to how God is calling us to live. Remember this, your identity in life doesn't come from your family, doesn't come from your job, doesn't come from how good or bad you are. It comes from Jesus. You are saved and forgiven by Jesus and nothing else. You are saved and forgiven by Jesus. That's your identity. You walk out of this place into the world as a person who is a forgiven, forgiven by Jesus. And that means that if we're living in this grace way, being a disciple of Jesus means our mission and purpose come from Jesus, are shaped by Jesus, 
are resourced by Jesus and his grace. And so I'd encourage you to think about what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you in your current situation, in your current things that you're, you're focusing on? Many of us have got good things happening in our lives. Think about what it might mean to experience and enjoy the good things that we have with grace. Some of us have got difficult situations we're facing. Think about what does this mean for you as you face those difficult situations? How might you respond to those with grace? So others get to see and experience grace. Recently, I came across a story of somebody who was recently retired. Um, And this gentleman who was recently retired has said, this has hit him that he wants to be God's missionary of grace in the world. And it's just a simple way thing he does. He said, I go to the supermarket and what I do, and because in his church they've spoken a lot about what's important as a Christian is develop relationships, make time with people, develop relationships, both Christians and non-Christians. And so he goes, when he goes to the supermarket, he always goes around the same time and he aims to go to the same checkout person if he can. And he'd been doing this for a number of weeks and then one, one week the person says, why are you always so happy? And he said, this just opened up an opportunity for a conversation to say, I'm not happy because everything's going right in the world, because it wasn't. I'm not happy because um, I'm rich. I'm happy because I've got a God who loves me no matter what. And that conversation he was able to have, um, and that continues, that, that relationship continues. Now, that person, from what I understand, is not yet going to church or a, or a professing Christian, but what it's done is open up that door and they've got to experience another perspective that the world can't and does not offer. And this approach, this dying to self so we can be part of God's grace mission is often what's termed the theology of the cross over the theology of glory. The theology of the cross is remembering that God comes to us in our imperfect situation. That clearest way of finding God is Jesus on the cross. I was in a discussion with somebody during the week and they said, asked me the question of, you know, how do you know, what's the, what's, how do we know as humans what God's like? And I said, the clearest way is to look at Jesus, particularly on the cross. That shows how much God loves us. And we depend on the, Jesus on the cross for our future. The theology of the cross is that we don't earn our way to God. God comes to us. Some years ago, a person wrote a book on Christian theology with a Lutheran emphasis, and they said, it's always God coming down, not us trying to go up to God. And yet we respond with praise because God has come down. Another aspect of this theology of the cross, to make it clearer, is that we die to self and are raised by Christ to live a new way of life. And there's two parts, particularly within the Christian life, where that is emphasised mostly. One is baptism. When we're baptised, it's a time where God is saying, I love you, you're part of my family, but it's also a sign of us saying we're following Jesus and not the ways of the world. But the reality is, we continue to sin and so we need what's called a daily repentance, which is being humble enough to say, I've stuffed up. Being humble enough to say, I'm focused too much on myself. Being humble enough to say, 
God, forgive me for not loving others, not making time for others, not going out of my way to help others. During the week, um, or the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of conversations with uh, pastors around COVID and all the rules, you know, if you think some, you know, we love putting these rules on, none of us like putting the rules on, but the government says we've got to follow the rules. But one of the conversation went this way, and one pastor said, what I've observed is there are some people who live by the law with the COVID rules. And what he, and there's some people who live by grace. And what he meant by this is this, is that there are people who live by the law who go, all right, these are the rules. How do I follow them to protect myself? How do I follow them so I don't get in trouble? How do I follow them? Um, in such a way that I can get away with stuff, right? And that's living by law. And he said, and, and it's all about themselves and worried about trouble and worried about problems and also what they can get away with. And he said, then you come across some other people who go, all right, we've got these rules we've got to follow, but I don't fully agree with all of them. But what I do understand is these rules are in place to help others. These rules are in place so we can help others. And so it's not about myself, but about helping others. That's coming to a place of repentance in some ways, is to say, I'm not here for myself. I'm here to bless others. See, it's not about what we do, but about what God does for us and through us. Now, if you go through the history of the Reformation, Luther was one of the first to taught a term, this phrase, the theology of the cross. But others have picked it up and there was a gentleman called Soren Kierkegaard. And Soren Kierkegaard was a Lutheran theologian who actually noticed, he said, there's a lot of people who admire Jesus, but they don't actually follow Jesus. He said, let's be truly followers of Jesus, not just admirers. And if you think about some of the Bible passages, you'll see before Easter, the week before Easter on Palm Sunday, there's a lot of admirers of Jesus but they don't end up following. Another person that I know has put it this way, as a Christian, be an active participant, not just a spectator. And one church I was speaking to, their, their pastor said this, this place, it's a gymnasium, not a theatre. Right? That's how he described the church. So all those things is about, that's dying to self, understanding that I'm not here just for myself. Yes, when we come to church, we are blessed by God and his word and his sacraments. But more is happening. God's also calling us to be not just receiving, but using those and being part of our life. Then there's another character um, many years later. We, we have spoken about it a number of times. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he had this problem with cheap grace. And he said, it's better to live for costly grace than, and not cheap grace. And the first thing you need to recognise when he's speaking... His first thing, he said, this grace that we have, this benefit that we have, this treasure that God has given us, it has cost him dearly. The only way we can have grace is because his son, Jesus, came into this world, humbled himself and died on the cross. It's grace we can only receive because of the cross of Jesus. That's how costly it is. But it's also a life of grace is in opposition to getting the one, the life that we deserve. It's costly. And it's costly particularly when we're called to have grace with others. Because we would much rather treat people as they deserve. We love doing that. 
But costly grace is about treating people better than they deserve, just like Christ has treated us. It's a life of continually growing as a disciple, not just going, yep, I've got it all together at this page, but actually say I'm on this life-changing journey. I'm going to continually follow Jesus. Think about all the disciples. Yes, they had only about three years with Jesus. But do you think every day was them was something that they walked away and said, oh, yeah, that was fantastic, that was fantastic. There was probably days when they're going, here we go again. You know, am I learning stuff? Am I growing stuff? For all of us, we're called to have this life of following Jesus, growing as a disciple. And it's also a life where our efforts are for others, not for ourselves. It's a life where our efforts... In life are not for others. Uh, Sorry, are for others and not for ourselves. And therefore it's a life where you live for God's graceful mission. Where you think about your work, you think about your family, you think about your neighbourhood, you think about your community, you think about the clubs you're involved in. Think about all that. And God has placed you there. Not to earn a heap of money, not to get a great house, not to have a fantastic reputation. That's not the primary reason. The primary reason is so his grace can come amongst the people you're interacting with. Now, for some of us, that can be harder than, than, than for others. But so I encourage you to think about that question is what might it mean for me to bring God's grace into those situations? And so as we go from this place, as we think about what does it mean to live the grace way, Live with confidence that you are saved. Live with confidence that God loves you all the time. Not just some of the time, but all the time. Live with confidence that your future is secured. That is very freeing. Living with that confidence that you're forgiven. Living with that confidence that you are saved. Living with that confidence that your future is secured. Not because you have done the right things, but because Jesus has done the right thing, come to earth, humbled himself, suffered and died for you. Secondly, grab hold of God's grace and let it shape your life. Grab hold of God's grace and say, this is going to be the most important thing in my life. As people interact with me, right, I want them to know God's grace. May God's grace shape everything you have. Ah. Thirdly, let God's vision and way of life be your vision and way of life. That's connected to the earlier point. And lastly, be God's missionary of grace wherever you are. Be like that gentleman who, when he goes shopping, just wants to treat people with grace. While other people are screaming and saying, why are you taking along or you made mistakes? He just has patience and shows grace in the supermarket. And always has joy and is not grumbling. Be God's missionary of grace so others may know your grace because that's the love that God has for you. And if you find it difficultly, difficult to be God's missionary of grace, take time to reflect on God and the love he has for you. What he's done for you. That he has sent his son into this world to suffer and die for you. Take time to reflect on the love God has for you no matter what you've done and how that love helps you in life. And so as we conclude, I just want to quote, seeing it's Reformation Sunday, I just have a small quote from Martin Luther about grace because often grace is 
pictured by some people as this. God loves me, God forgives me, God does all the work, therefore all I have to do is sit back and then I can do whatever I like. But true grace does something transformational in our lives. True grace changes who we are, how we see life, how we see others, how we go in the, live in the world. Luther said this at one stage, he said, this grace of God is very great, strong, mighty and an active thing. It does not lie asleep in the soul. Grace hears, grace leads, grace drives, grace draws, grace changes, grace works in all people and lets itself be distinctly felt and experienced. Grace is hidden, but its works are evident. As you live in the world, may you experience the fruit of grace. May you experience the grace that God has for you. And may that grace be experienced by others through you. Go in God's peace and go with God's grace. Amen. During our next song, your free will offerings will be received. But before we go to the song, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, for the gift of Jesus, for the gift of life, for your graceful approach to us. Heavenly Father, as your church, may we be people who live in this world knowing that grace. May that grace saturate our lives, but also may that grace flow into the lives of others. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to recognise that we're not always graceful people. Help us to recognise that we don't always rely on you. But Lord, we thank you for your constant love and your constant grace. Amen.